Hello and welcome to Science with Shweta podcast. Today we have with us Connie. Connie is currently in the last year of her PhD studying obesity and diabetes and is putting final touches on her thesis. She is an instructor and teaches physiology. She is currently working on developing a course that teaches pathophysiology of diseases. How cool is that? Let's talk to Connie to know more about her. Hi Connie, thank you so much for joining us. Hi, thank you for having me. Great, finally we get to talk. I've been looking forward to this. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I follow your Instagram. It's awesome. So, can you tell us more about yourself? What field of science are you in? Yeah, so currently I'm in cell and physiology. So, basically what my program does is that we look at the cellular physiology of our cells and mm-hmm. we look at how that relates to disease. So my interest is in obesity, so I look and and diabetes of course. And so what I do is I try to understand what mechanisms cause these two diseases and how we can better understand what is going on with the metabolism side of things. That's awesome. Like you're really looking into metabolism which I believe is the root cause of most of the diseases. Yeah, especially for something like obesity mm-hmm. because it affects so many parts of our body. Um, and when we hear about diseases, we hear that obesity is a huge risk factor for things like diabetes, cancer, Alzheimer's and more. Mm-hmm. And so really looking at more mechanism and more metabolism to really understand what is going on because even though we know obesity we still don't really know the cause which i find is really interesting so yeah it's a, it's an exciting field yeah definitely <laughs> so uh why did you choose to work in this field like when did you decide you wanted to be a researcher yeah so i actually wanted to do more diabetes research mm-hmm. um i have a personal experience with it a lot of my family members have diabetes Um, and so i really want to understand why why them right like why does one person have diabetes in the family but not others and that's the same with obesity you can see that others who eat so much food uh they don't have to exercise but they don't get obesity while others just get it spontaneously right so mm-hmm. that was my reasoning and i really wanted to understand and how our body works and what is root cause and how can we fix that and that's awesome because you rightly said we do have people in fact while growing up we have friends who eat lot more than us but still some people get obese and some don't and i think your research will give great insights so now we can target what's the root cause and that's great mhm So can you tell us uh, in a brief what your current research or your project is? Mhm. Yeah. So what I'm currently doing, I have a few projects, but the really current one that I'm writing about is really to understand the genetics behind obesity. So we talked a little bit about the fact that even within a family, you have people who get diabetes um and then others who don't and you do share a lot of the same genes within one family especially in your immediate family and so researchers have done things like 
twin studies where you have twins who should have identical genomes, Mm -hmm. but they grow up in different environments and they still get the same phenotypes, things like diabetes, they'll both still get. And so because they're living in different environments, but they have the same genes, we now know that the diabetes or the obesity can't really be caused just by the environment, which a lot of what, which is what a lot of people originally thought. And so what the research right now and the research that I'm doing is really to try to understand what are the genetic causes of obesity and diabetes. Mm-hmm. Why is it that one person, even though it's in the same family, what is their underlying genes or what really predisposes them to be more susceptible to getting diabetes or obesity. So that's that's what I'm doing. And there's all these really cool consortium projects. So people around the world uh, sequence a lot of genomes. So with different people, there's the Thousand Genomes Project in the UK. So their goal is to sequence a thousand people um, I think they actually have reached that goal. And so once they have all these um, genetic information, then they can understand, okay, what the differences are. Um, can we sequence more into different causes? Can we identify genes that are specific to different diseases? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been really exciting. Um, and it's only been the past 10, 20 years um, that we've been able to sequence the entire genome. So that's really exciting. And that's going to help a lot of researchers. Oh, yes, it definitely will. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, like, you are almost done with your thesis. And so can you share your experiences or tips with our listeners, how it has been for you, this entire PhD journey, including your thesis writing? Yeah. Um, so it's been an interesting process. So... Uh, mm-hmm. The thesis writing part, um, when I first started, I didn't know exactly how long it does take. Um, So it's different for every person who's writing their thesis, but for me, uh, there was a lot of writing, editing, and then there was a lot of waiting too. Uh, That part I didn't anticipate as much, uh, the waiting for forms to be signed, there's really strict rules at my university uh, on how you need to have this part of your thesis done, get this form signed, and then send it off to an external examiner. So that just to everyone listening, I guess, just to be aware of those things and try not to beat yourself up if you don't meet the deadlines you set out to do. So mine took a year and I'm still writing it. Uh, not the I'm still waiting, I guess, on the thesis writing part of it. Okay. Mm-hmm. So a PhD is definitely not easy. You know, it's mentally and emotionally, physically taxing as well. So uh, mm-hmm. what makes you motivated to keep doing it? And which hurdles did you personally face? And how did you overcome them? Right, yeah. So especially for the PhD, mm-hmm. um, it is a long program. I think what helped me the most was to find a mentor. Uh, so I found mentors both in my colleagues so in my friends who were going through the program, 
with me, who started with me, or even people who were a lot older than I was who finished the program and were getting jobs. So I found that asking them for advice and even connecting with others on Instagram who are graduate students or PhD students or even working out in the field, that was really helpful for me. So finding that person that you can talk to when you have a problem or when you're stuck, and there's a lot of time during your PhD when you fail, so experiments don't work, um, things just don't pan out, I, experiments don't do what you thought they would, and so you hit a lot of barriers in your PhD, and so having that person that you can talk to or a group of people who you can talk to and ask for advice, that's really what helped me and motivated me to keep going. Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. I think having a good mentor is very important, and then at the same time, I think family support, the way they are always there for is equally important. Yeah, for sure. Like outside the lab, you're a person outside of the lab too. And so having your family and your friends and your spouse or your significant other really, really helps for sure. So like you said, uh, your experiments don't work, they fail. So how uh, do you deal with failures? Like what was your getaway when some of your experiments didn't work? Mm -hmm. What did you do? Yeah, so... That happens a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, the experiments just don't just work out the way you want it to. Antibodies don't act the way you want them to. Um, but I think what my main motivation and main uh, driver to get around failure mm-hmm. is to really think about what motivates you um, and to think back why did I want to do this program in the first place? And why did I want to study this uh, particular thing in the first place? Uh, That's really helped me. Um, And then talking to others, as I said before, that's also really helped to just troubleshoot with others or even just taking that break. Sometimes um, when things don't work out, we get really down and we get really upset by whatever it is. Uh, but if you step away for a little bit and then come back, you feel a lot more refreshed and a lot more ready to tackle whatever the problem is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, how did you get into science communication? Yeah, so it's really funny. Um, I grew up with a family who didn't really understand sciences. Um, none of my immediate family members mm-hmm did anything related to science or medicine or none of them actually even went to university. And so I was a first generation student. And I think what really drove me to do science communication was kind of what you said when we first started talking to was that Mm -hmm. I wanted to bring more awareness and to the community and to show that somebody who has no science background still can pursue science as well. You don't need to have your family full of PhDs to pursue a PhD. Um, And so that was my main motivating factor. And I really like talking to people. And so that that was the other part of it as well. So uh, like you're saying, you're the first one from your family to get into science? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's great. And I have to tell you that you're doing amazing. I I do love your food. You're always so encouraging and motivating everyone. Like 
you give some tips for everyone for the undergrad especially i really love that no oh, thank you yeah i yes that does what my motivating factors are i hope yeah. <laughs> hope i can do more of course because whenever we, i go through your posts on instagram they are really motivating so if, even if you're having a bad day or if you have one of your experiment mm-hmm. has failed in lab i think reading one of your posts will definitely help someone to you know get encouraged that it's okay and how you can get back on your track it's awesome i just love your instagram page no oh, thank you so much <laughs> <laughs> so like uh, what what you have already said it but like Why do you think science communication is really important? Mhm. I think a lot of us work in the silos, so we work and talk to each other, but a lot of the information that we're learning is really helpful for someone else and to even get the public or really people outside of your lab and outside of your experiments to be excited about what you do is really important to have that knowledge translation and have that conversation of why is it that mm-hmm. we're pursuing science and why is science really important um and i think if we can talk to more people and communicate that then it'll make it easier to say oh we've studied something we have this policy that we may want to figure out it'll be easier for that transition um and to get more people excited about science because science is everywhere right and so i think that's that's a really important part of the science communication and why we should still continue to do this to this day yeah right so uh, what is mm-hmm. the best part of your job or science communication what do you really enjoy about doing this I really love going to schools and teaching students because students get super excited when you show them whatever it is that you set up to show them. Um they get really excited. They ask a ton of really cool questions and yeah, they're just they're just the loveliest people ever. So that that's my favorite part of it. Yeah, so and of course you get to meet so many different people and get to connect yeah yeah that the human connection is really really what is really cool about science communication yeah and i think we are putting the social media to a good use by doing this yeah social media sometimes gets a bad reputation for yeah. not being the greatest being very egocentric but i think i think we're good. i think we're good. doing an okay job <laughs> breaking down that barrier <laughs> yeah so do you have any advice for young people who are interested in your career path mm-hmm. i think look into that career look into the phd look into research in general um ask questions i find that asking questions people are really helpful um they're really willing to talk to you so ask them questions about what their career is like uh, what their day-to-day life is like um, get a sense of what their career is like so that you can see whether you enjoy it or not um yeah and then, so ask a ton of questions maybe even shadow them for a day if you can mm-hmm. or ask them for informational interviews so just ask them questions 
um, have coffee with them, see if they'll be willing to answer your questions about their daily life. Um, so that's, that's my biggest advice for anybody who wants to go into research. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, uh, anything else you would like to add? Mm, I'd say keep being curious. Mm -hmm. um, ask lots of questions. Talk to people. Um, because I find that if you don't talk to people, you don't really know what's out there, too. So, that's also a really good thing. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Connie, I have some uh, fun questions for you to answer. Mm -hmm. so. Let's get yeah. started. Okay. So uh, I do know that uh, you love animals and you do post pictures and videos of your dogs. So um, here's mm -hmm. one question for you. If you could ask your dog three questions, what would they be? Oh my gosh. So I have a chihuahua, <laughs> a little tiny chihuahua. Uh, he's a rescue, so he gets kind of scared a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, so I want to ask him, what are you scared of most? Um, also, what his favorite food is, because currently he eats everything, so I'm not entirely sure what his favorite is. Mm -hmm. uh, and then uh, lastly, what he's thinking about, because he sleeps, and then he makes these weird noises in his sleep. I kind of want to ask him if he has nightmares or not, so things things that are going on in the brain of a puppy, so... <laughs> That's what I would ask. <laughs> I think you would be thrilled to know the answers if we could do that. <laughs> right. <laughs> be funny. So uh, what's a book you have recently read and you loved it? Ooh. Ah, actually, I have it. Um, it's called, it's a really cool book. It has nothing to do with science. Actually, maybe a little bit. Mm -hmm. It's called The Lost Girls of Paris. Um, I read it in a, for a book club. We have a STEM girls book club. Uh, it's on. It's also on Twitter too. If anyone is interested, it's called Steminist. But this book is about World War II and covert agents, so secret agents during mm -hmm. World War II. A lot of them were women because if you were men, you really stuck out, especially in Paris, where a lot of the men for off fighting already. So if you're a covert agent and a male in Paris, a lot of times you'll get found out. But if you're a woman who's a covert agent, then a lot of times you get away with it. So this book is about the women's journey. Okay. That I didn't know about, so that, I thought that was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So um, what profession, other than uh, what you're currently doing, would you like to attempt? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so as a kid, I guess I was in the orchestra, mm -hmm. uh, and I thought that was pretty cool. I played the violin for oh many God. years. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe I would do something like that, because that was another interest of mine. Mm -hmm. uh, but I wasn't particularly good. So maybe I, I'm not sure. <laughs> I like teaching. Okay. So if I you could teach. get in, yeah. continue doing it, of course, you could have got better at it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh, but maybe that's, that. <laughs> that's great because it's totally uh, different other than, you know, science or being a PhD. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's sad. The only reason why I don't play the violin anymore is just because I haven't found the 
people to play with. It, it, it was a lot more fun in orchestra where you had 30, 40 people mm-hmm. playing with you. Um, but playing alone, not as exciting. So. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So uh, what fictional character do you wish you could meet? Fictional character? Um... I've been really enjoying the Marvel movies, so maybe anybody in Marvel. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that was yeah, I wish. Really, yeah. <laughs> what do you wish uh, you had known when you started out? What I wish I knew. Hmm. I wish I knew that. So the PhD, it's a long journey. Um, but it is a lot of self-discovery as well. So I think to know that ahead of time and to know that you will make those mistakes, you will grow as a person during your teaching and be okay with that. That's what I would tell my past self. Don't be too hard on yourself. <laughs> I think we often do forget to take care of ourselves and we let things overpower it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us, Kwan. It was great talking to you. And thank you so much for sharing your science journey. It was amazing to know. And also, I'm thrilled to know that you can play violin. And I really enjoyed chatting with you. And we wish you... A yeah, very, thank you. Yeah. And I wish you a very good luck for your thesis and your defense, PhD defense. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking out time to do this, Kwan. So guys, if you would like to connect with her, you can contact to her on any social media. Uh, I'll post the links in the show notes. If you also want to connect with us, you have any questions or suggestions, you can contact us. Thank you so much for listening Science with Shweta Podcast.